Guatney Unplugged is brought to you by the good folks at Guatney Chevrolet and Guatney Buick GMC and hosted by the mayor of Rose City, Scott Romine. Hey, Scott Romine, I hope your Saturday is going great. We are talking to true automotive royalty on the show today. Kat DeLorean is the daughter of famed automotive executive John DeLorean. She's announced the launch of a new car company called DeLorean Next Generation Motors, DNG Motors. That's aiming to bring a modern take on her father's unique 1980s sports car to the market. How are you, Miss DeLorean? I am doing wonderful. How are you? Oh, it is just so awesome to talk to you. I I remember being about 10 years old, and I, I knew what your dad's car was before there was ever a Back to the Future movie. And it's so exciting to hear you're going to do something that kind of throws back to that here in the near future. Yes. Well, I'm trying to actually finish what he really did, which a lot of people don't know, which is... Um, he, the car was a means to an end. He was really trying to change the way cars were made um, from the manufacturing right down to what was offered to the people. So um, we're, we're going to do it. We're doing it a little differently than he did, but um, we're, we're here to make a difference. And uh, we have a really cool car that's going to help us get there. You know, your dad's car, I think a lot of people that maybe aren't real diehard car people, they think Ferrari, DeLorean, Lamborghini. That's really not the market he was after. He was trying to make an affordable vehicle that just was extremely cool. Correct. He he actually he wanted to make an, an ethical sports car. He wanted to make something that was fun to drive and economical for somebody to own. So he wanted it to last long and to be um, cost effective to repair. But what's more than that is he was trying to change the way cars were being made. So I was reached out to by some of the factory workers in Ireland. Wow. And one of them said, you know, you know, Kat, it wasn't about the car. It was about the factory. And he described how he totally changed the way that a car was being manufactured. And he had rules such as um, nobody could work with their arms over their head for a long period of time. And it was unheard of at the time, the things that he'd done. And the gentleman said to me, he's like, in these things, they're standard today. They're, they're, they're basic safety standards that are put into place to take care of, you know, your, your workers. And he was very keen on telling me that to him, his experience was that for my father, it was about what they were trying to do and not necessarily what they were actually doing. <laughs> Which did, is interesting. Did you ever make it over to the factory as a kid? You were pretty young. I actually was born at the same time as the DMC. So I was born in 77. And um, I don't, if I made it there, I don't remember. My brother has memories of going over to Ireland because he's six years older than me. But, um, but I don't have any memories of going over. I do consider it a necessary pilgrimage in my lifetime to make it over to Ireland. I feel a great tie to ireland itself and to the people there um that's the one thing my father talked about as far as the car goes my entire life growing up was the people in ireland and and how he felt he had um he had given them hope and then he let them down it impacted him greatly throughout his life and uh i i would like to go back and see where it all happened and and meet the people who are there do we know if the buildings are still standing um, I don't believe that the buildings are. I know the test track is still there. Um, I don't know much of the history of the property lately. I, I used to have 
kept up on it. And some people have told me what's going on with it uh, recently, but um, I I have not kept up with the factory lore. You know, <laughs> I see. I have seen photos. It's like they made a few of them in gold. Was that something your they dad did. he came up with? And what was the idea there? No. No, no, he he was not a fan of the gold DeLorean. Um, <laughs> he he thought they were tacky. Um, they they were commissioned by I want to say um, American Express. I'm not sure. I don't I don't remember, but I do know that they were commissioned by a bank and put I believe in their window on ah, on um, yeah. a Manhattan Street. Um, but no, he, he was not a fan of the, I mean, uh, he was not even really a big fan of just gold overall. So <laughs> I think he thought they were a little tacky. So when yours comes out, you're not going to do a gold edition. No, no. <laughs> maybe um, not. We, we have, no, we don't. I mean, you can put a gold wrap on it. Sure. I, well, uh, that's, that's true. Uh, you, know, you, you know what? I, I, I say that, but, um, our experience with the car is, is pretty much fully bespoke. And so if somebody wants a golden car, um, they'll have to pay for it, but I'm sure I'll sure figure out how to get You'll figure out car, how to do it. <laughs> Yeah, you know I watch all these great like documentaries about your dad, and you're in there and all that stuff. And he he's kind of portrayed like the real life James Bond 007. You know, I mean, he knew all these like movie stars and all that. Were you aware of that as a kid of how famous your parents really were? Oh, so that's a really good question. Um, I I sort of was, but it's it's a really um when you're a child, you don't know anything different. And I grew up with a lot of people who were really um, very famous people around me. And when I tell the stories, everybody says, oh, you knew this person, you knew that person. And I say, yes, but please understand that my world was 99% smaller than yours. And what that means is, is that in, in my world, these were just the people around me. So um, having a concept of them being famous when I'm sitting and eating dinner with Henry Winkler, I, I think I was like 14 <laughs> years old when I realized Uncle Henry was the Fonz oh, because yeah. he looks nothing like the Fonz. And, he, you know, so these were just the people in my everyday life. I understood that they were famous because my mother was on television and I could not go out to eat with my father without somebody stopping us. However, what that meant to everybody, uh, the, the understanding that I have of it now is, is much greater because I've, I've, I've been taken out of that bubble and I've had an opportunity to live outside that bubble and I can see what it means. But when I was that small, yes, because my mom was on TV and my dad and I couldn't go out to dinner. Other than that, there wasn't a concept of what that meant outside of that space. Well, you realize you are like the Lisa Marie of the car world. I mean, your dad is the <laughs> Elvis in the car business. I mean, he really, he really was. I mean, hard to, I, uh, hard to stand out like that in a bit. You know, nobody knows really who the executives are of these car companies are now really. But they know who your dad is. I, I do believe that most people are not supposed to know who the executives at, especially <laughs> automotive companies are. 
Um, and, and it's very, it's very specifically, uh, he speaks about that either in his book or in On a Clear Day about how you are not meant to stand out. Um, and, and he really did. But for, for, um, for all his maverick Hollywoodness, uh, he's, he is the most influential automotive engineer of all time. Um, you can actually trace back most of, of what is the, everything that's on a modern car. Most of the patents can be traced back to one that actually starts with my dad. Uh, tons of suspension patents, recessed windshield wipers. Uh, the way that the modern automatic transmission functions altogether was, was created by him. Uh, so many different things that he did that influenced the way that automobiles just work today. And so I think beyond the fact that he was this larger than life personality, he had such a profound impact on our world. And that's, that's the tragedy of the DeLorean is that he's known for that car when in reality his accomplishments were so much greater and and he saved our lives. I mean, he's why um, airbags and seatbelts are on cars today. So you know, <clears throat> he he had a lot of influence in, in our lives. And then people only think of this this one car. And and what's crazy about the car is it doesn't even represent anything he stood for, <laughs> uh, as far as engineering goes. For it's just a bunch of different. Um, w when you build a car. You kind of have to start somewhere. You don't really have all the money to, to engineer your parts from scratch and things like that. So you, you have to piece it together from things you can procure from other people. So I wanted to ask you, one of my heroes is Arnold Schwarzenegger. And you've spent like Thanksgiving with Arnold as a kid. How did that come about? And what was that like? Well, my mother happens to be, uh, so Christina happens to be very good friends with um, Maria Shriver. And ah. Maria was married to Arnold. And um, I more than actually spending Thanksgiving uh, with them at our house, um, I've actually dined with the Kennedys, which is truly <laughs> one of the most epic moments in my life. And, um, and, and I've been on the Terminator jet. I've been on the plane. Really? Everybody. This was good. Yes. Oh my You're God. kidding me right so now. No, I didn't. I didn't fly anywhere on the plane i've just been on the plane <laughs> did he say i'll be back or anything like that cool okay so this is really fun i would babysit his so Catherine and christina i always thought it was hilarious that his daughters were named Catherine and christina mm -hmm. and then you know um but i would babysit them so we would vacation in idaho in sun valley and um the schwarzeneggers would be there and I would babysit the kids. And I think it was Catherine would walk around going, I'll be back. It's a baby. It's little it was the cutest thing you'd ever seen in your life. Oh. And I used to I I used to just die every time she did that. It was it was so much fun. And now he's kind of a comedian, I guess, in real life. I mean he's got a good sense of humor about him, it seems seems to be. Yes, you know, I think my dad was friends with him. I know my dad was friends with him because I have, and, and I actually have it here right in front of me on my desk. There is a picture of my father. There's a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger's body with my father's head. Um, <laughs> it would be a Photoshop, but back in the day, there was no Photoshop. So this was a real photograph that was stitched together. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot harder to do back then. 
yes, yes. And so I have a real photograph of my father's head on Arnold's body and he hung it in his office. He thought it was the funniest thing. And I do believe Arnold helped him make that picture. So um, I think they were friends back in the day. The I grew up in Hollywood. So, I mean, they, I went to school with a lot of people. I I could take up the whole show <laughs> name dropping, yeah, but it's not, yeah. it's, it's, uh, the, they're, they're just people that, that were in my life. Um, and it was very special. I mean, I was very fortunate, but, but they're, they're humans. They're humans just like you and I. And so they were just the people who were in my life. I didn't know Henry was um, even famous, actually, until one day I read the, the uh, credits of Happy Days. And I freaked out. I went running downstairs and said, Mom, Uncle Henry is the boss. Why didn't nobody tell me this? Hey. So um, it's an interesting, <laughs> it's an interesting life to grow. He's such a wonderful man, and his children, um, just incredible, incredible people. Tie back to my father. The reason why I know Henry Winkler is because his um, Howard Weitzman, my father's lawyer, uh, his ex-wife married Henry Winkler, and so we would have Thanksgiving together, and they had the whole mixed family. So Howard and his children would come over, and so would Henry and his his kids and Stacy. So um, that's how I I knew him through my father's lawyer. Interesting. <laughs> my experience with celebrities is they're just people. You know, quite a few. And I mean, they're just people. You know, and then eventually the thing you know that they're famous for. You don't even discuss that with them. That's like a job that they had, you know? I mean, exactly. they're just people. <laughs> they're just people, just just like you and me. So, but but I grew up in Hollywood. So, so it's kind of like you can't escape it. There, there's just a lot of people. That's, <laughs> that, that's that are, true. That, and they go on to become famous too, you know? Yeah. People that were famous when you met them. What are um, your which is always a trip. What are your memories of the first time you saw Back to the Future? I actually don't remember the first time I saw Back to the Future, which is interesting because I've really tried to remember if uh, for, for a long time now what it would have been like, or can I even recall the first time I saw the movie? Um, for me, the the whole experience i was i was still it was very young and the whole experience is kind of shoved in your face a lot so i make the joke oh deloreans are rare really i had no idea because i get texted somebody who saw delorean every day right oh, sure. and uh, right and, 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 and they make like, nine thousand of them right there's nine thousand of them built yeah, so most people, they don't see that. It's very rare to see it driving down the road, but I see them every weekend, right? So sure. um, uh, when the same thing with Back to the Future. Uh, Back to the Future was very much shoved in my face a whole lot. So I almost feel robbed of Back to the Future because of my experiences with it. Uh, it would have been a movie that would have very much been um, one of my absolute favorites. It would have had a huge impact on me in a much different way if it wasn't tied to what was going on in my life at the time. Um, what I can tell you is that over the years, the experience that I've had with Back to the Future and especially the people who, who made the movie, Bob Gale and Kevin Pike and, and all of the people that I've gotten to know over the years that have worked on the film, I've, I've been able to establish a relationship with it 
but I still couldn't tell you how I feel when I watch it. Right. I, it's I get very that. surreal. Yeah. I get that. It sometimes it's about the time in your life and the people that win your life more so than what's on the screen. For me, I have a couple of movies that way. Yes. And, and that's, and that's kind of what it, and it's also, again, it's, it's in my face all the time, mm -hmm. which for back to the future fan would be great. Um, <laughs> but even, even if somebody threw Lord of the Rings in my face, 24 hours a day, I think I would have a different relationship with that. Movie as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but I do say, I do say if there is an iconic representation of your life falling apart, would you park it in your driveway? So the movie kind of um, kept that going a lot longer than it would have. And um, for better, or for worse. Uh, so it's, it's a very complicated relationship. I love the movie by the way. Oh, it's great. I still enjoy watching it. Yeah, no, it's a, and it's funny too. We just bought a building, um, right across the street from a town hall, an old town hall built in the 1700s. And I kid you not, it looks exactly like the clock tower. Oh, wow. <laughs> the valley clock tower, yes. And we had somebody, we had an architect come over to repair the building. And the time on the clock was correct. And he had a fit. He was like, he just had a fit. because and he took pictures and he had to take pictures with me because it was, it was, hilarious um so i enjoy i enjoy the relationship i have with the movie now but i couldn't tell you what it was like to see it when i was young because i'm pretty sure i didn't i'm not i was not in the same place oh i saw in the <laughs> theater it was fantastic it would be cool if your new delorean car had little easter eggs in it you know like the way jeeps have the little monster bigfoot in the corner of the windshield little tiny you know like you had like a an actual clock that maybe had the same fonts or something as the bell tower clock i don't know it would be kind of cool well we're definitely going to have some easter eggs for the back to the future fans as, as uh, to, to the extent that we can without um you know violating any issues sure, but, uh, with, sure. with universal um, <laughs> um, but <laughs> uh but but no we we actually have it's important to honor um the fans of the movie because they've helped to keep the car and the dream alive oh, yeah. along with the owners all these years so uh, i want to make sure that i honor everybody who's loved the delorean for the past four decades mm, i'm there hand raised has it ever really hit you the contribution your dad made with that car to pop culture it is the rolling example of the 80s if you got to pick <laughs> the 80s for four wheels it's that car you know, it is, it is even the taillights look like 80s video games. Oh, it yeah. is quintessential. It is, but, so that's actually what brought me back to the relationship with the car. What, what I mean by that is its contribution to pop culture has created um, it's turned the car into a dream for everybody and the magic of this car something that that i learned over the 20 some odd, gosh it's been almost 30 years now with the with the community uh, no it's 25 years almost with the community um is that people see the movie and then all of a sudden they want the car it's some yep. it's some formative age it's it's six to ten and then all of a sudden they start to change their entire life to get this car and 
so suddenly like angel goes on and becomes an automotive designer and he's he's who designed our car um and and there was a gentleman i met once at a delorean convention he was a finance manager because at, at 10 years old he decided he wanted one he started saving all his birthday money so <laughs> you don't even have to go into cars people you know the, the stories about people who went into whatever field they went into because of this car with this incredible story that is involved in chasing this dream of owning this car and it, it's become something that's more than even the pop culture icon in, in the movie mm -hmm. it it's something that has gone on to define people's lives and that that gave the car back to me that turned it from something that was um this this iconic representation of my whole life falling apart to this beautiful glorious iconic representation of being able to have a dream and just daring to try and achieve it for everybody not just my dad and that that made this i'm so proud of it now it, it and the people that i've met starting in 2000 with my first dmc show some of them are my closest friends and family now oh, that's so great because I've gotten to know them over the years of representing my father and watching them talk about these cars and love these cars. So I get really moved by by how much the owners themselves mean to me and um, how the car represents them to me. And oh, it's the forever. They tell. Yeah, the car is forever. Yeah. It's like an Air Jordan came out about the same year. They're still wearing them. You know, 40 years, I got yeah. a pair on. It's not going away. What did your dad think about those movies, the Back to the Future films? I, I had a moment a few weeks ago where it suddenly hit me what the car kind of meant to him. Uh, he he was, again, he was about changing things. Mm -hmm. And um, he, he spent a lot of his life putting his money where his mouth was. And here he was able to go somewhere where there was war. And he created peace. He got caught up when he talks about what happened afterward in his newspaper interviews and things like that. He talks about how he got distracted by his name on the car and he forgot what he was actually trying to do. And so when I think about what we're trying to do, so I don't actually have a car company. I have a dream empowerment company fueled by automobiles. And what that means is the car is a means to my ends. It helps me fund education. And what he had was a car that helped him change the way cars were made. And, and more than that, he created peace where there was war. And then he watched that all fall apart because he got caught up with his name on the car. So to him, the car was a representation of unintentional hubris and how he let down all of those people in ireland because he he got distracted and the tunnel vision allowed the enemies to come in and 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 he never none of that stuff would have happened if he was paying attention and he wasn't he was so caught up in what was going on so to him that car was painful it reminded him of the people he had helped and let down. And so I would have had a different answer for you before this moment. Now I can't honestly tell you what he felt about the movies other than he appreciated that somebody changed the narrative of what the car was. So yes. they took it from 
what it was and they turned it into something else, which was beautiful. And he, he would love the fact that everybody has, is inspired by it now, but that's something that would mean just so much to him. I asked my husband, uh, when he met my father, we were already married. So scary enough. He's got a John DeLorean already <laughs> right. married to his daughter. I said, is there anything you've ever wanted to ask Sean DeLorean? He says, yes. How did you come up with the flux capacitor? <laughs> That's <And> perfect. <laughs> I said, you have to ask him. He said, no. I said, no, please. You have to. <laughs> He's the only one that knows. And so he does. And my father goes right into the story of falling off the toilet, just like he was. Oh, that's perfect. It was, it was perfect without missing a beat. He did. He didn't even (laughs) think about it. He just answered the question. And, and so I know that he loves movies (laughs) and that he knows them enough to be able to come up with that without missing a beat. And that he appreciated what it was able to do for the car in changing the narrative of of what it was and what it represented. But at the same time, it was just as hard for him to look at it in the movie because of of what the underlying pain that came with it. I understand that. You know, the the movies ensured the fact that the car would never be forgotten. Did they invite you to the, when the universal ride opened, because that featured the DeLorean, you were like in a 3g version of that thing when you went on the ride. So, um, so (laughs) funny story at the time, the the ride opened at Universal. Christina had a show on the Universal lot. So I just got to go wander around Universal and go on everything all the time anyway. So I don't think I, I don't think I was invited because of who I was. I think I was, in, I think I was invited because Christina worked at Universal at the time, uh, which I is weird. <laughs> now, did you end up meeting Michael J. Fox or any Christopher Lloyd or any of the characters from the film? So I have not yet met Christopher Lloyd and that kills me because I am a huge, huge fan of Reverend Jim. Um, But I I met, so fun story, Michael J. Fox. I met him at Christina and Tony's house because Tony was um, the head of United Artists and they were making a movie called Baby Boom and he was casting for it. So Michael J. Fox came over for dinner with his manager who happened to be my stepsister. So I met Michael J. Fox completely disconnected from this movie altogether, which I think is kind of very interesting. Claudia Wells and I are besties. She is fantastic. Um, We met at a convention and never turned back. And then I've met um, Jeffrey, the brother. So I've I've met most of the cast actually, except for uh, Christopher Lloyd, which breaks my heart because I love the guy. (laughs) So Christopher Lloyd, if you're listening, I would love to meet you someday. Anywhere. I'll <laughs> we, be there. <laughs> we both would. I wanted to tell you about something. We, of course, I work for Guatney Chevrolet and Guatney Buick GMC, and we have this program called GAP, the Guatney Automotive Apprentice Program, and nobody is really doing this. And we're bringing in like high school kids to work alongside our techs. And I understand you have kind of incorporated something where you are going to let students get educated in the process of building a car. Can you kind of speak to that? 
Yes, I would love to. So what we're working to do is to create a new, I call it STEAM. So science, technology, engineering, arts, automotive, mathematics, and manufacturing. We've added an extra A and an M because what we would like to bring is automotive engineering, design, and manufacturing to high school students and bring a type of vocational program um, that we want to embed in the schools themselves, like I was able to see in our North Texas ISD. So instead of having a charter school, that's outside of the school, you would have this program inside the school so kids can see it and experience it and get excited about it. And we would have, it would be um, a program that runs a lot like a traditional vocational program. In the last two years, we want to have the students be able to actually engineer and manufacture a car. Now, obviously it's going to be done with a lot of guardrails and um, there, there's very complicated way of doing it, but we've built all these wonderful partners to actually create this. And we're going to be meeting with our first school district in Indiana. We've already met with them a few times, but after the show, in September, we're going to go and start to work with them to, to begin to build this program. Uh, there have been other um, automotive manufacturers who've actually built schools, established manufacturers who built schools that do something a lot like this, but they're charter schools outside of the districts. And um, this is what the car is going to fund. So the car will be sold as a very, initially at least, very exclusive bespoke experience that um, is going to limited edition um, once a year because we are a nonprofit. So in order to sell something as a nonprofit, you have to do it in a limited run, limited time of year. So we are actually the world's first nonprofit automotive company. It's it's a little bit. Uh, that's so interesting cool. how we've done this it's really amazing. amazing and we're going we're going to sell cars and bring you know 33 percent of our of our of our kids today they have no hope for their future that's 33 percent hopelessness yes one in three kids has no hope and that's that's because the the instructions we've always had they no longer apply right they're watching all of these rules that we've always had about how you can just work and save and retire they no longer are the same and they don't have a clear direction so we want to give them the opportunity to actually see and achieve dreams we're going to start with automotive education because that's what came to me um, and i was very fortunate to have this opportunity to do this but we've had many other people coming in other fields i have people approaching me about music programs art programs and we intend to actually help build these out as well and help preserve some of these things that are now underfunded in our school districts but what's more than that is we're also going to help revitalize the factories around these towns we're going to help invest in these in the towns where we put our our schools and our education and create something that also revitalizes the whole community and brings more jobs so that we can give everybody hope not just the high school students so are the kids gonna be hands-on helping assemble the car or yeah so so the initial design of the program actually has students um working um on engineering a car from no nothing known 
in the universe. Um, this is just a this is just a basic guide. I can't give all the nitty gritty details, but the idea there is to is to get them to not see boxes, and then and then the rest yes. of the year helps them understand how to bring that back to reality. Um, the first two years of the program is intended to be integrated into the other classes. So we're going to work with. Uh, so you have a. a, a a teacher who actually would work with the curriculums in the other classes so students can understand how to gather information from all sources. So tell me about what you learned about World War II. How did it impact the automotive industry? Okay, now design me a car that uses an all, all non-restricted materials from World War II. Like, how can you do that? Um, tell me what you learned about in, in, in sociology that teaches you how to design a car for your customers. So that allows us to actually work with the uh, the curriculum that's going and help bolster some of the school systems there and then the last two years start with them not seeing a box let's talk about how you invent from nothing and let's bring it down into reality and the final year and this is where our partner factories come in and, and the partners that we work with the students would then source the parts so you know be assigned uh the the tasks within building the car and then reach out to their partner vendors. So these are our partner factories and shops and they'll be working with the students to get them to understand how to manage these relationships and how to bring all the parts together and then assemble them all into a car. Your dad would be so proud of this whole thing. This is what he'd be working on. I mean, this is incredible. Yes. You know, once you get them across the program across the country, wouldn't it be something if you could put the program in, in a high school in Ireland. I would love that. Wouldn't that be I cool? Would love to, I, I would love to just make it available to every kid everywhere. But yes, I would very much like to give back to all of the kids in Ireland. That'd be every single a, one of them. Well, just tell me you're going to keep the goal wing doors. Cause that's, that's just oh, yeah. awesome. You got to have that. My, actually, my father patented the torsion bar. Oh. Going doors. So, so yes, it will absolutely have going doors. And what's interesting is my father would have built the DeLorean out of um, aerospace aluminum back in the day if it were affordable. How do I know this? Because he commissioned a Reynolds aluminum Corvette when he mm. was still at, at GM. And he discovered how it was way too expensive to actually build this in production he used aerospace aluminum so he went with stainless steel instead mm. but there is a naked aluminum corvette and a gold wing one if you go and look up the really? aero and the reynolds aluminum yes that's yes. incredible yes. last thing i want to ask you about i've always heard that you convinced your dad to go to a, a convention, a, like a DeLorean convention or some kind of thing where he would have been yep. signing autographs and that that really helped him mentally. I've always heard that. What's the story to that? Yeah, um, I actually had gone to a GTO show. Um, and when I came home from it, I said, dad, you have to come to a car show. You have to see what you mean to these people. You, you really just have to see you have to see this. It's incredible. And um, I was able to convince him to go to the 2000 DeLorean car show 
because I, I it took me a couple I think it took me a couple years to get him to go but I got him to take me because it was at the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and I told him you have to take me because I want to go to the Rock and Roll Hall oh, of Fame of course and <laughs> and when we went and he was able to see I, I think for him it was the same thing as it was for me so before this moment the car was very painful and it represented so many things that just it doesn't anymore sure um and so and so this it was this, it was that moment for him kind of all at once he was able to bask in 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 that what he had done had left this positive impact for all of these people i think what you're doing i mean the story is perfect really the way you've come around and you're working with these high school kids and you're going to release another car and it's it's exactly what he would have been doing. We're changing the world, Delorean stuff. We have so there's dngmotors.com, um, which is our Delorean Next Generation Motors, and you can learn about the car development and what's going on with that, and some of our programs that we have available, as well as our partners that we'll be able to put there. And there is a website called the Delorean Legacy Project, and that is at DeloreanLegacy.org. If you want to follow me. I can be found on Instagram. I'm really hard to find. It's Cat DeLorean, K-A-T DeLorean. You, it's just so hard. It's so hard. So hard. And then, uh, <laughs> so hard. And also on Facebook, which is is I interact a lot less there because it's a little scary. But on Facebook, I am also Cat DeLorean. Although, am I Catherine there? No, I think I'm still Cat there. Either way, you'll find me. There's just me. We have a YouTube as well. There isn't anything there just, I mean, there's a few things there, but there isn't anything new there just yet, but there will be. Well, thank you so much. We will be, see you guys next week right here on Guatney Unplugged, 103.7 The Buzz.